Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So what you see on the ground is you have thousands and thousands of agricultural workers that travel from state to state. Usually they go from California's Central Valley up north when it gets hotter, usually to escape the heat because Washington, Oregon, and Idaho don't tend to get as hot as California's Central Valley in the months of July and August. But this year, that was not the case. This morning, millions across the Pacific Northwest struggling to find relief from the heat. As the middle of the country deals with the rain, the Pacific Northwest is in the middle of a historic heat wave. There were triple digit hot temperatures day after day, and nobody was ready for this. We are talking an extremely dangerous heat wave. And the reason for that is the folks in the Pacific Northwest and British Columbia in Canada are not used to this type of heat. They do not have air conditioning. And this is a historic heat dome. What that causes is then workers are out there without protections, without access to water, access to cool water, access to shade, without mandated breaks. And that literally results in heat stroke and heat illness, and in one case in Oregon, one reported death. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch, and today... In many states, like Washington and Idaho, children as young as 12 can legally work in farm work in the fields. And so if you don't have these protections or these regulations or these mandates, like you're affecting a very wide range of workers. Jimena Bastillo on historic temperatures in the West and how for some workers, the heat is inescapable. Starting at the end of June and through the entire month of July, Idaho, Washington, and Oregon have seen record-breaking heat waves. That means that they are reaching higher level temperatures than they ever have before. To put it in perspective, much of the Pacific Northwest usually doesn't reach triple digits until August, but that started in June. And not only that, but it's been almost every day for weeks on end, which has resulted in hundreds of people across the region and even into Canada dying. And then you add on the wildfires. A dangerous combination of extremely hot weather and dry brush caused by a devastating drought is now fueling what is rapidly shaping up to be the country's worst and most widespread fire season ever. Tonight, 68 large fires are burning in 12 western states. More than a million acres scorched. That's nearly as big as the state of Delaware. Overnight in Washington state, the entire town of Nepsalem running for their lives. It is important to note that the northern half of the western U.S. usually enters into fire season later. But Oregon, northern Idaho, and Montana are already undergoing pretty significant fire seasons, as well as Colorado, which is kind of in the middle. And then that affects the South because then resources are stretched thin, literally across the West. Mm -hmm. While it is difficult to attribute one single weather instance to climate change, scientists are saying that this 
could become a part of a larger trend, especially since we have been seeing worst wildfires year after year and worst heat year after year leading to this year. So, Jimena, you are from Idaho. Um, I lived in California for a number of years, and you and I were messaging about this recently, and and you said, uh, unless you're from the West, you don't get it. Gah! Um, (laughs) And, I mean, that sort of does capture it. Like, it's it's sort of, it's weird being on the East Coast right now in Washington, D.C., and seeing this because it's, like, such an intense part um, of life on the West Coast and in the West. I know it's, like, hard to boil down the human effect of this, but when you consider, like, people in Oregon, in Washington State, um, you know, not even owning ACs sometimes, but then dealing with triple-digit temperatures, um, I don't know, like, how are you thinking about the human effect of all of this? The human effect is disastrous. I mean, all I can think about over the last couple of weeks and, and as I keep writing and reporting on wildfires, you know, for, for my morning ag newsletter is how I'm so used to seeing smoke and how I can't imagine how hot it is because it's literally hotter in Boise, Idaho than it is in Washington, DC, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Um, I grew up in what they call the Treasure Valley, so we don't get a lot of immediate forest fires, you know, very, very close to where I grew up. But because it is a valley, smoke from California, smoke from Oregon, smoke from Washington, from northern Idaho, that all comes in and seeps into the valley, and it creates really, really poor air conditions, And that is really bad for people with respiratory problems. It's really bad for people who work outside. It's bad for crops. Um, It's not not good for anyone to be in the red or even in the purple for your air quality index. You've been reporting on how fires and how these increasing temperatures are affecting the agriculture industry, looking at both farms and the people who who work at farms. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's start with the farmland itself. What effect is this weather having on farms and their products? And what does that mean economically? At the end of the day, it's disastrous because you have three weather events happening at the same time that do not create good conditions for farming. You have wildfires that naturally destroy crops and smoke, which also destroys crops like grapes in wineries, which Oregon has a lot of. Mm -hmm. The second thing is you have intense heat, which dries up your topsoil, which, you know, creates more dense conditions in the air for, for your crops. And then third is with that heat comes drought. And a lot of the West has already faced drought problems that are even worse this year. Again, everything is just worse this year. So your soil gets dry, you have low water availability, and growers are now expecting lower harvests of wheat, almonds, fruits, a whole variety of crops um, all across the Northwest and, and down into California. So then there's also the effect that this is having on farm workers. I mean, we were talking before about like how this affects just everyday life living in the West. And then you consider people who are out 
every day in in fields working on farmland. I mean, what effect have we seen on them? Again, uh, the only word I can think of is just disastrous. Like it is a disaster. Um, so there are no federal OSHA, which is the agency that helps to guideline workplace safety regulations. Mm-hmm. There are no regulations like mandates from OSHA on heat protections or at what point workers should be pulled out of work if it gets too hot or what they should be like what they need to be provided. Um, there's only recommendations. Hmm. Um, So three states, Minnesota, Washington, and California, do have some sort of regulation on heat. But a lot of advocates are saying that it's not enough, at least in California and Washington. Like the heat is at the point where it's worse than it's ever been, and the existing regulations don't do enough to protect workers. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to re- remember that when it comes to data on farm workers, it is severely underreported. A lot of farm workers are undocumented or they come on visas and there is a lot of fear of retaliation and there's a lot of fear um, that they will get fired or be blacklisted for other jobs. So there's not a lot of tracking able to be done on really the extent that this is having and did have on workers in the region. Are we seeing this have any effect on the way governments are responding? Like, I found it kind of surprising when you mentioned there are no federal standards for heat and uh, farm workers. I don't know. Are we seeing any new action from state leaders or federal leaders like in response to this heat, in response to these fires, in response to the conditions people are dealing with? So Washington and Oregon, within days of each other, actually Oregon first and then Washington, announced that they were going to release emergency temporary rules on heat protection and heat stress. And the Oregon rules largely came after a farm worker that was working irrigation lines at um, an Oregon grower died uh, on on the job. Even as the historic heat waves scorched the Pacific Northwest, thousands of immigrants went to work in fields, farms, and nurseries. Sebastian Francisco Perez was one of them. After moving irrigation lines at Ernst Nursery and Farms in St. Paul Saturday, workers found Perez unconscious and dying in the field. And the Oregon Occupational Safety and Health Administration has labeled it as a heat-related cause to death. And a couple days later, Oregon Governor Kate Brown announced that there would be these temporary rules. And then by the end of the week, Washington did as well. But again, it's important to remember that these temporary rules only last until the end of September. They're not permanent, meaning that if this happens again next summer, they're going to have to go through the whole process again unless they implement something more permanent. Jimena Bastillo, thanks so much for talking with me. Of course, thank you for having me. Jimena Bastillo authors Politico Pro's daily agriculture policy newsletter, Morning Agriculture, and Politico's weekly agriculture newsletter, which you can subscribe to at politico.com slash newsletters. Also today... 
President Biden is touting the monthly child tax credits that Americans began receiving this week as one of his administration's proudest accomplishments, calling the payments on Thursday a game changer for middle class and working class families. The plan marks one of the largest tax cuts for families with children in recent history. According to the White House, it'll cover around 39 million households, or 88 percent of the nation's children. Joint tax filers that make less than $150,000 a year and single heads of households who make less than $112,500 a year can expect payments on the 15th of every month through the end of the year, with a related tax break on next year's returns. And Facebook says it blocked a sophisticated and highly targeted hacking campaign by a group that some experts have linked to the Iranian government. In a blog post on Thursday, the company said the hacker group known as Tortoise Shell used Facebook and other social networks to trick military personnel and defense and aerospace industry employees into downloading custom malware that spied on victims and stole their data. After deleting the hackers' accounts and blocking people from posting their malicious links, Facebook says it notified suspected victims and shared technical data with industry and law enforcement partners. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Politico Dispatch team includes senior editor Raghu Manavalan, senior producer Jenny Ament, and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.